Hey, welcome to SWAT Radio with Doug McCary of His Light Ministries. So happy you are listening today. I am Taylor Johnson, and if you would like to join the discussion, please call us at 1-844-777-7928. That's 1-844-777-SWAT. Or you can email us at ask at SWATradio.com. That's ask at SWATradio.com. And if you are listening to the podcast because you missed us live you can also send your questions to facebook or twitter at swat radio talk is the handle that is at swat radio talk today is tuesday doug what's new in the news well uh let's see amazingly uh pfizer and moderna and some of these other companies have a a vaccination that we're going to get pretty shortly Which, it's funny to me, before the election, they were saying it would be in the springtime. Uh It's just so crazy. You know, the American people have been so manipulated by news media and Mm -hmm. these companies. And these companies don't care about us. Mm -hmm. They care about money. And they care about kickbacks. And, uh, you know, I'm just glad as believers, we don't have to worry about people. We can just trust God. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Pfizer's going to start a pilot delivery program for coronavirus in four states. They're going to start delivering the virus, which is just funny that it just now it comes out. Um, there, I was sharing with you before the program that apparently out in uh, Clark County, Nevada, which is, you know, they, they still, that's still being evaluated. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to have to redo all the votes in Clark County for a commissioner out there because they're saying there was ballot irregularity so they're going to have to redo the vote so does that mean everyone's going to have to come in and revote well they're, they're saying have... that well there's yeah everybody's going to have to redo the vote wow. but what but they're saying that um that it's only for the commissioner but uh i think president trump or at least his campaign has said that's ridiculous if there's an irregularity and people have to vote yeah how do we know that there's not – I mean, I think they're going to be able to make a pretty legitimate argument with the court that if they're having to redo it for one – so you're going to tell me that there's irregularities in one category? Right. I mean, that that's odd. So uh, anyway – Did you see in Georgia there was uh, 2,600 ballots that were found that hadn't been counted in the original tally? In one county. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, most of them were for President Trump. Uh, pretty interesting yes so when you think about i mean clark county um that particular um redo of votes i think i heard a guy say it was something like a hundred and eighty thousand or hundred and sixty thousand votes and what was the margin out there do you remember i don't remember no i think it i think it was like 20 mm -hmm. so yeah um but anyway, um, they they would not certify the local race due to numbers of discrepancies. And uh, he's just saying that uh, that's an indication of problems in the system itself. And so um, I think I read that it was like 100. If they redid that, it's 160,000 ballots. Mm. 
So yeah. who who knows? Um, uh, you know, that's just one thing. I, I don't know if you saw, picked up on this, that uh, do you remember uh, Justice Alito spoke to the Federalist Society last week? Did you hear his mm. speech? No. Anyway, he um, he spoke to them. He was just there. You know, they bring in the Supreme Court justices every now and then to mm-hmm. speak. And he's, uh, it was a keynote address. And he made this statement. It pains me to say, but in certain quarters... Religious liberty is fast becoming a disfavored right in this country. And specifically, he was talking about little sisters of the poor because they refused to allow their health insurance plan to provide contraceptives mm-hmm. because of their religious beliefs. And um, Ralph's Pharmacy, is uh, the owner refused to provide a, a, you know abortion drugs to people. And also Masterpiece Cake Shop. Remember that group mm-hmm. that wouldn't make a uh, cake celebrating same-sex wedding? He went on. To, he was citing those particular incidences, and he said, "For many today, religious liberty is not a cherished freedom. It's often just an excuse for bigotry, and it can't be tolerated, even when there is no evidence that anybody has been harmed." Um, he went on to say that even before the pandemic. There was growing hostility to the expression of unfashionable views. And um, in 1972, there was a guy named George Carlin, who was a comedian. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember him. He began to perform a routine um, where it was called the seven words that you can't say on TV. And he What's uttered them that? out. Well, today, all those words are said on TV. So in just... 40 years now all those when he said that i mean they say those words every day on tv now even on mainstream news you hear them say things and allow commentators to curse and Mm -hmm. say things um um but you know what you can't say that marriage is the union between one man and one woman Hmm. which is crazy um and you know that that kind of talking about the the wider culture not seeing uh, religious liberty as uh, something to be valued or even a right. It's because what the culture at large puts as the defining characteristic of who you are is your sexual identity. And because of that, you know, well, hey, we have to affirm that over a constitutional right. Well, here's the problem is cancel culture is taking over everything. In fact, he pointed out in his speech that the American Bar Association, which is mm. what certifies attorneys, made efforts to make the membership of judges in a group like the Federalist Society, <laughs> which this is a group that believes in the original mm-hmm. meaning of the Constitution, to be rendered unethical. Mm. It failed, but it, it began to grow support. And right now, the Federalist Society is one of the organizations that they hate. Yeah. That, I mean, they, so there's a group that is trying to say, if you are an originalist with a constitution, you're a bigot. Um, but he talked about that, and he also spoke about the pandemic, saying it's resulted in unimaginable restrictions on individual liberty, i.e., you can't have this many people in your home for Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Did you ever think we would live in a country 
where they could say how many people you could have over at your house for Thanksgiving or Christmas. Yeah, and while you're in your house with people, how often you can take off your mask to take a bite to eat. You know, you have to keep your mask on while you chew. It's like, come on. Well, yeah, well, listen, we have never in the history of the United States seen severe restrictions like this. Uh, and this extensive, think about it. Do you remember what they said when it started back in the spring? Um, well, we, you know, we just need to flatten the curve mm-hmm. just for a few weeks. Mm-hmm. How long have we been told to wear a mask? Yeah. I mean, literally, even in this building, yeah. we can't even come in this building without having a mask on. And that's crazy. I mean, listen, if you want to wear a mask and you're vulnerable, wear a mask. But the mask, according to the CDC, doesn't even do that much good. Yeah, well, I, I thought I saw that they reversed course on that. Now they well, say of course that. they did. <laughs> they this. did because everybody was making a big deal about it, and they were citing it. But they, it, you know what's crazy about it is, you know, originally it was well, the mask doesn't protect you; it protects you others. know those around you. Now, no, the mask does protect you. Well, if that's the case, that the mask protects me. If I don't want to wear one, why does it matter if you have yours on and you care? You know what I'm saying? Well, well, here's what's crazy. You have different rules for casinos and churches. Mm. Casinos can have lots of people in. Churches can only have 10 people in. I heard something (laughs) uh, that California is allowing the uh, adult, uh, you know, the gentlemen's clubs to open up, but churches are still. I know. (laughs) Well, I mean, that, that just shows you how crazy it is. And so as we look at the world in which we live. I, I told a guy earlier today, I said, you know what? Here's the, the, the good news is that Jesus is in control. The bad news is things for us are going to get worse. Yeah. And I don't know why we are surprised by that. We shouldn't expect it. Uh, Jesus said, if they mistreat my servant, I mean me, why, why wouldn't they mistreat you? Uh, so, as believers, we need to stay in the word to keep perspective, and we need to um, surround ourselves with other believers who want, are, one, not ruled by fear. COVID will not kill you if God doesn't want it to kill you. Yeah. Now, I'm not telling you to go sit in a room full of COVID <laughs> people that, that and expose yourself, but the bottom line is we don't live in fear. We've had the flu for years. Flu's killed people for years. And I realize this thing, they're figuring out more and more about COVID every day. Um, my mom and dad have had it. My mom's still struggling with it. It's painful, and I hate it for them. I pray for them every day, and I'd ask you to pray for them too. And all the people that have been exposed to it. But the truth of the matter is, less than like 1% of the people that get it die. Mm-hmm. Less than 1%. Yeah. And, and I mean, it's like minuscule and there's still a lot of people that ha- hadn't even contracted it. And yet we're shutting down everything and limiting social interaction, which I think is dangerous too. Yeah. Um, well stick with us. We will back. We will be back with more after the break. You are listening to SWAT radio. Stay tuned. If you'd like to contact SWAT Radio, the toll-free number is 1-844-777-7928. That's 844-777-7928 or 844-777-SWAT. 
You can also listen to this program through the WTRJ The Truth app from the App Store or over the Internet by accessing www.swatradio.com. We'll be back shortly for further discussion and to take your calls. Highway to Eternity Ministries is a ministry dedicated to encouraging those who have lost hope and coming alongside those who cannot find peace and are considered unfit for inclusion in Christ's church. They use published works to teach God's Word and share encouraging testimonies of transformed lives. Highway to Eternity Ministries serves as a parachurch ministry that comes alongside churches to share its passion and commitment through spiritual writings, nuances, and experiences to everyone who has an interest in the teachings of Jesus Christ. For more information, contact Jeff Andrews at 904-436-5175. They say sometimes you win some, sometimes you lose some. And right now, right now I'm losing bad. Stood on this stage night after night, reminding the broken it'll be alright. But right now, oh right now. It's easy to say when there's nothing to bring me down. But what will I say when I'm held to the flame like I am right now? That was Even If by Mercy Me. Welcome back to SWAT Radio. SWAT stands for Spiritual Warriors Advancing Truth. And if you are just joining us at the uh, beginning of the hour, the first 15 minutes, we generally talk about the news of the day, um, just kind of what's been going on in the country. And so we were doing that uh, a little bit. We will be looking into Hebrews chapter 13, uh, verses through 7 through 14 this week. We talked a little bit about 7 through 10 last week. So if you missed that uh, or you missed the first segment of the show or the program, excuse me, you can go to www.swatradio.com. That's www.swatradio.com and look for um, yesterday's program, which is up there now or in a, about an hour or so. This program will be up there. Or you can listen to our podcast by searching SWAT Radio and you can also download the SWAT app in the App Store. Uh, the other thing uh, that was going on today is Facebook and Twitter CEOs were at the Capitol oh, were they? testifying before, I think it was the Senate Judiciary Committee, and they were saying the Judiciary Committee were, it was interesting, you know, most people just use Facebook and Twitter. They don't they don't know what they do, really. Mm-hmm. They don't know about the, their, their owners are very liberal, very progressive. They're not believers. They could care less. All They're, they're motivated by money. And, uh, and they are very, like I said, progressive in their views, and they censored people. They've censored a lot of people. And I was listening to some of the testimony, and they actually were asked point blank by uh, uh, Senator Blackburn uh, from Tennessee if they censored um, 
people in Vietnam that disagreed with the Vietnamese government. If they censored people in Russia, and that, that it was yes to all of mm. those, they shut down those people because the government told them to. They said, if you want to operate here, then you got to do this. If, if you sell in ads over here and you want to continue to operate, and China doesn't let Twitter or um, Facebook operate within those countries, but both those CEOs are trying to do business deals with the Chinese still. Hmm. And what was interesting uh, that Senator Blackburn said is that it looks like, um, and um, they're going to shut down the 230, Section 230, which gives them immunity from being sued. Hmm. So, in other words, if they censor you and don't censor somebody else, you you can bring a lawsuit against them and say it's unfair treatment. Right, because they have been given the status of a platform, and now they're starting to act like a publisher. Well, that's exactly yeah. what they said. Um, and um, But they, they, uh, they talked about their plans, how they cracked down on misinformation. One of the interesting things was that they censored these senators on the committee. Mm-hmm. and who didn't even say anything about the election uh. they were talking uh more about things um that could have been interpreted that way but they weren't they didn't talk about trump or biden they were just talking about information and they were both flagged i mean the, the ones they were talking to so again for you folks that use twitter and facebook and instagram just know that Jack Dorsey of Twitter and Mark Zuckerberg of CEO, they don't care one iota about your freedom. They have an agenda to get information across and to limit information from one point of view, and and they will flag you if you try to put something out there. Uh, they 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 both probably consider uh, LGBT stuff hate speech if you take strong stands on that. You talk about family. Um, so, well, maybe- you know, it's pretty interesting. Like, they, they view themselves as arbiters of the truth, mm-hmm. you know, which is something, and that they have a responsibility to um, guard people from, you know, pro- problematic, quote unquote, things, which that's not really been in the lexicon or the thought process of the American people. But more and more, you're seeing that it is. That, that, that is a a pretty mainstream uh, view, especially with the younger kids about, Oh, we, we can't allow hate speech and that free speech shouldn't be absolute. And if you think that, Oh, well that's maybe for big programs and, and stuff like that. I can tell you that I've been censored. My dad's been censored. <laughs> like it, it, it they're going to come for everybody. And eventually, you know, who knows you just get kicked off the platform. Um, you know, I don't use it anymore really because of some of that stuff, but if you're still using it and you enjoy it, <laughs> You know, well, well you say. they um, they were they were grilled pretty hard about their stuff, and uh, T- Dorsey, uh, the CEO of Twitter, said that they killed the Hunter Biden story, and that was probably wrong. But it's easy to say that after the fact now. And he's been saying for a few years, like, oh, well, we did this, and you know, we we probably shouldn't do that. If yeah. we do it again, but it has not done anything to change. I mean, uh, this with him particularly. Uh, he's been on several interviews over a few okay, years. Okay, I want you to imagine this. for a second me getting angry at you and popping you in the chin and going, oh, I'm sorry, that was wrong. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I shouldn't have done that. 
that didn't take away from the sting of what happened. Yeah. And that's, in essence, what he's doing. Uh-huh. And he's trying to say, yeah, it was wrong. We probably shouldn't have done that. We'll do a better job of that next time. Yeah. And, and then, he does the same thing uh-huh. again. And so that would be like you, you know, like you just said, punching me and say, oh, I'm sorry. And then you just do it again. Oh, you know, I'm really sorry about that. And then again, oh, I'm really sorry about that. Like yeah. at some point, I'm not going to feel like you mean what you say. Well, I know. And that's the way we feel about him. So that's why I don't get on social media that much yeah. anymore. Although we do have a social media presence. We just. It gets yeah, throttled yeah, sometimes. Yeah, it does. Yeah. In fact, we have been censored because mm-hmm. we tried to get out information when we had uh Wayne Grudem on. We tried to get that out to people and Congressman Rutherford. Yeah, yeah, both of them got censored. So all that to say, I am glad that we don't care about Twitter and <laughs> Facebook as much as we care about Jesus. And uh, today we're in chapter thirteen of Hebrews, staying in our lane in the faith race. What that means means staying true to the gospel and uh, standing apart from the world and seeking the home built by God going all the way back to what it said about Abraham in chapter 11. He seeks a city that's foundation is built by God, not the one built by man. And so yesterday we started by looking at verses 7 through 10, what it means to stay true to the gospel by, one, imitating the faith of our fathers, two, remembering the object of our faith doesn't change over time because it says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Thank God we have a a um, a stable, non-changing uh, object of our faith. We don't have to worry about Jesus changing. We're flawed. We change, but he never changes. And then um, finally in verses 9 and 10, we looked at guarding against false teaching. And if you didn't uh, listen in yesterday and you're just hearing for the first time today, I quoted a couple of professors, one at Southern Seminary and one at Southwestern. This is 20 years ago. But both statements they made, one was about the cross um, and how it it just wasn't enough to have the cross. You had to do something with it. And the professor at Southern talked about that we can't really trust what's written in the Gospels about Jesus as being authentic to him. And both those statements uh, really, I believe, helped factor into students that left those institutions had far less appreciation for God, his word, the uh, virgin birth, the exclusivity of Jesus. They were less likely to believe in those things when they left that seminary than when they came in, which is, to me, a terrible testimony. And so this whole section about staying in our lane is just running our faith race in such a way that that we leave behind us people that continue to carry on the legacy for people in future generations. Because until Christ comes back, we are to make disciples and we are to continue passing on the faith. Like Paul tells Timothy, Timothy, find faithful men who will be able to continue teaching and training other faithful men. So today we're looking at uh, verses 11 through 13, specifically what it means to stand apart from the world. And I think this is very um you know, relevant to us right now as believers. Are we standing apart from the world around us? Or are we just like them? Uh, do I, Do most of us view our hope uh, in a president, a government? Where's our hope in Jesus? 
doesn't mean that we can't participate in the government, but our hope doesn't rest in whoever the president is. Our hope rests in Jesus. And in verses 11 through 13, he he talks about being outside the camp. I'm going to let you read it, Taylor. And then, um, you know, we're going to talk about what it means to stand apart from the world. So go ahead and read verses 11 through 13. We'll talk a little bit about it, go to break, and we'll come back and get into it a little more. All right. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. All right. So... For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So they get the blood to sprinkle on the altar, Mm -hmm. but the bodies are burned outside. And it says Jesus suffered outside. He was crucified outside the, the gate, separated from the world. And being willing to suffer... Outside the camper gate is basically what they're saying is we must be willing to be rejected. Join him. And I don't know if you remember back in chapter 11 when it was talking about the great people of faith and it was talking about Moses. It said that Moses considered the reproach of Christ greater than the wealth, greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. In other words, he forwent having access to all the treasure in the known world at that time mm-hmm. to instead bear the reproach of Christ. He didn't know the story of Christ, but he chose to be rejected, and that's what he's talking about. Jesus chose to be rejected. And when we come back, we're going to look how faith always separates God's kids from the world. Yeah. All the way going back to Cain and Abel, we're going to look at that and this walk through that. All right, we will be back with more after the break. We'd like to give a special thanks to our sponsors, A Store and Window, as well as a special thanks to our sponsors, Tom Neal Trucking and Jeff Andrews of Highway to Eternity Ministries. If you would like to sponsor the program, please email us at Doug at SWATradio.com. That's Doug at SWATradio.com. You are listening to SWAT Radio. Stay tuned.
Welcome back to SWAT Radio. That was David Crowder with All My Hope. If you are just joining us, we are looking at Hebrews chapter 13, verses 7 through 14 this week. Uh, today we're focusing on verses uh, uh, 10 through 13, excuse me, and uh, talking about being with Jesus outside the camp and what that means to um, be outside the gates and uh, the suffering that Christ went through out there and how we should partner uh, with him in the suffering, I guess is a way to put it. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you know, we're standing, um, we're standing with, um, Jesus, not with the world. Mm -hmm. And by that we stand apart. You know, it's interesting. I want to see if I can find it real quick while we're just sitting here. Um, George Barna, uh, have you heard of George Barna? You know, Mm -hmm. he is, um, he did a thing years ago on Christians and non-Christians. Basically, you could say Christians and people of the world. Uh, it was a poll. And um, he he just did all these questions about spending habits. And, um, and I mean, he asked these questions. And um, it's interesting. I just want to. These are views on faith, sin, and salvation, he did. And I think this poll was done um, in 2020. So this is really recent. This is like over the summer. All right. Having faith matters more than which faith you have. In other words, it doesn't matter what you believe in as long as you believe in something. That's basically what the question is, Mm -hmm. right? Mm Mm-hmm. I'm going to say it again. Having faith matters more than which faith you have. 56% of evangelicals um, believe that. Wow. <laughs> believe that having faith matters more than which faith you have, like what you believe in. And that's, you know, evangelicals has been the term used to kind of differentiate people who are supposed to be more serious about the Christian faith, right? Yeah. And 56%? Yeah. Like, wow. Yeah. A person who is generally good or does enough good things for others will earn a place in heaven. 41% of evangelicals believe that statement. Wow. People that profess, they, they go to evangelical churches. Now, here's what's interesting. The world, all the other people, this includes everybody, right? that he interviewed, which is evangelicals, Pentecostals, Catholic, uh, you know, other faiths other than Christian, skeptics, all of them are included in this. 48% believe that. So there's not a whole lot of difference there, right? Um, You have a personal responsibility in appropriate situations to share your religious beliefs with people who believe differently than you do. Now, 74% 74% of evangelicals believe that, Only, which is, I mean, that's good, but still, 25% mm. don't yeah. believe that. Uh, 50% of the world believes that. Mm. I mean, so, again, not a huge difference. There's a 20% difference. Mm-hmm. This is the one um, that gets me. Um, you consider yourself to be a Christian, and when you die, you will go to heaven only because you've confessed your sin and you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. 70% of 
of evangelicals believe that. What what's the definition of evangelical? <laughs> then, you know? I don't know. Uh, he the title of the article was "The Church is Seriously Messed Up." Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, fifty percent. 56% of the respondents who say they're a Christian and attend evangelical churches, um, you know, responded to this. Uh, but I, I'm just amazed. 41% of professing evangelicals said if a person is good or does enough good things, they're going to go to heaven. That's four out of 10. Mm. And so um, that's just really crazy when you think about it. Um, and so. The world has been so influential on the church that now, and he did another survey too a few years ago that were the spending habits, the entertainment habits, the marital habits, and the family habits of unchurched people were within one percentage point Mm. of churched people or people who would consider themselves evangelical Christian. Now, if you go to the Middle East, hmm. to places that are persecuted, they're vastly different than the people who are outside the church. Yeah, China, North Korea, India. So what this writer is saying here to the Hebrew people who are being persecuted, by the way, and they're being pressured to come back to Judaism to basically say, it's Jesus, but we still have to do the sacrifices. He's saying, no, you got to be willing to suffer outside the gate. Be willing to be rejected to be with Jesus. And for if you're listening, what's your viewpoint on being rejected if you're associated with Jesus? Do you try to accommodate the world so that you're not rejected? It happens very easily. I want to go back to Cain and Abel. Listen to what God says to Cain. Remember what happens, just as a reminder, in Genesis chapter 4? Abel brought a good sacrifice. He brought the lamb, or the the animal sacrifice, which was required by God. He was a keeper of sheep. And he offered what God had prescribed, because without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. Cain, on the other hand, brought what he thought was best. He brought fruit from the ground. He worked the ground. And God rejected Cain's sacrifice. And listen what the Lord said to Cain. Why are you angry? Why is your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin's crouching at the door. It's desires for you, but you must rule over it. And then it says Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, he rose up and killed him. Why did he kill his brother? Who's the one that rejected the sacrifice? Yeah. Why did he kill Cain? Jealousy. Jealousy? He was angry? Yeah. A lot of times people get angry at God and they take it out on other people. Mm. Yeah. But the bottom line is when when people around you honor God and you don't, your anger seethes at those people because they're doing what you're not doing. Mm. And, and so there's a part of us that the world, the world wants to hurt people because of the conviction. It brings conviction to them 
and it identifies their sin. They don't like that. And so they strike back. So Cain and Abel, faith separates. What separated them? Cain did not have faith. Abel did. What about Isaac and Ishmael? If you look over uh, back in Genesis, I think it's chapter, um, let me think, chapter 21. Who, which child was the child of faith? Isaac. Mm-hmm. Who was the child of human effort? Ishmael. Mm-hmm. Again, Ishmael despised Isaac because Ishmael was not the child of promise. In fact, when God told Abraham to take his child in Genesis 22 and sacrifice him, he said, take your son, your only son. Hmm. Have you ever noticed that? I didn't even think about that. He said, take your son, your only son. Well, wait a minute. Wasn't Ishmael his son? Look in chapter 22. If you don't believe me, I... I, Verse 2. Yeah. Take Take, your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. Wait a minute. He had Ishmael before he had Isaac. But Isaac was not recognized as legitimate because he was a child of human effort. Hmm. Here, Sarah says, take Hagar, go go do this. And so, again, Ishmael despised Isaac because faith always separates. What about Jacob and Esau? Jacob and Esau, again, they despised each other. Jacob was a manipulator, Mm -hmm. but ultimately Jacob proved faithful, didn't he? Jacob ultimately proved he had faith. But what did Esau do when confronted with his sin? He turned to Canaanite women to Mm -hmm. hurt his dad. He was upset. He did not have faith. He took it into his own hands and on and on. Moses in chapter 11, we said, went away. He went away from Egypt and the riches that could have gotten him anything he wanted. He was a person of faith. And so when we live by faith, we're going to stand apart from the world because the world doesn't recognize that. They don't like that. It's Is it easier to live by faith or to try to accumulate your own means to take care of your problems? Well, it's. I would say it's easier on you to try to take care of it yourself. That's what but, I'm yeah. saying, yeah. You're, because if you... All right, let's say I gave you a million dollars. What's your first thought going to be if I just plopped a million dollars into your lap? All my problems are taken care of, aren't they? Isn't that true? <laughs> I'm be thinking I'm paying off my student loans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your first question, your first question is like, God, what do you want me to do with this money? Your first thought is if I plopped a million dollars, is oh, I can do all this. Yeah, that requires no faith. Mm-hmm. And so, a lot of people wonder why God doesn't just. If I just win the lottery, man, I'm going to do this for God. I'm going to do this. No, because if you would, God would bring that money in through another way that would bring glory to his name. Yeah. So anyway. um, All right. We will be back with more after the break. So stick with us. You are listening to SWAT Radio. Stay tuned. This program has the potential to reach millions of men each week. If you'd like to learn how you can support this unique program that is helping men understand the truth about Jesus through God's Word and how to impact their lives and the lives of others, then go to www.swatradio.com. Then click on the donate link to help SWAT Radio pass on the truth for the next generation. 
We're so grateful for having people like Tom Neal Truck Company sponsoring SWAT Radio. Tom Neal Truck Company is located at 417 Edgewood Avenue South in Jacksonville, Florida. Tom Neal is a full-service franchise truck dealer for Freightliner, Western Star, Volvo, Isuzu, and Sprinter vans offering new and used truck sales, service, parts and truck rental and leasing to the North Florida and South Georgia truck market. More information on Tom Neal Truck Company is located at www.tomneal.com. That's www.tomnehl.com. Why you ever chose me has always been a Nobody by Casting Crowns. Welcome back to SWAT Radio. If you are just joining us, we are talking about Hebrews chapter 13, 7 through 14 this week. And today we are looking at verses 10 through 13, talking about um, being outside the camp, outside the gate, and how faith is what separates us uh, or should be what separates us from the world. So if you would like to join the discussion, you can call us at 1 844 777 7928. That's 1 844 777 SWAT. Or you can email us at ask at SWAT Radio. That's ask, A S K, at SWAT Radio.com. Hey, um, Taylor, real quick, I want to go back to that passage just for a second. Verse 11 talks about the blood of the bodies being burned outside the camp. Verse 12 says Jesus suffered outside the gate. And verse 13 says, therefore, let us go to him outside the gate and bear the reproach he endured. So we stand apart from the world because we're standing with Jesus and he's separated from the world. Um, Luke nine twenty three says, if anyone wants to, be my disciple, he has to what? Deny himself, mm-hmm. take, take up, up his, his cross, cross, and follow me. That's where Jesus is. And, you know, John, and I, I mentioned this verse quite a bit, First John 2.15 says, Do not love the world. And this is the world, the lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the boastful pride of life. The word there for love is the agape love unconditional. And 
Here's what's crazy. If you stand with Jesus apart from the world, that means you're going to have a biblical worldview. The Bible, the scriptures, is what drove Jesus' life here. He lived out the scriptures every day in the way he lived. But listen to this. George Barnett did a survey, and listen to what he, he came up with. We've been talking about his surveys. Although seven out of ten Americans would consider themselves to be Christian, only 6% possess a biblical worldview. Wow. <laughs> only 6%. Now, listen, one-fifth of those people attending an evangelical Protestant church, only 20% have a biblical worldview, as compared to one-sixth or 16% attending charismatic or Pentecostal churches. If it's mainline Protestant, like Methodists, 8%, Catholic, only 1% have a Mm. biblical worldview. The number of adults in this country holding a biblical worldview has gone down by 50% in the last 25 years. Wow. Regarding the youngest generation, uh, I mean, these are young adults. I mean, Mm -hmm. like people younger than you. Only 2% between 18 and 29 possess a biblical worldview. And so when you think about that, and what what does that mean? Um, When you talk about worldview, it's not just to believe something. Um, Okay. We got a caller. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, just one second. All right, we'll we'll get to you just in a second, Scott. When basically if you believe something, you integrate it into how you live. So it's not just what you profess. It's what you live out. That's what you really believe. Mm-hmm. And your lifestyle reflects those beliefs. And as a result, uh, the Barner Research Balance is examining both what they be- people say they believe to be true and how that translates into action. They mm-hmm. ask them. They follow up with questions. So the startling thing is only 6% actually have a biblical worldview where the Bible drives that. That's a big problem for the church, and it's because we've gotten away from teaching the Bible. We've gotten away from emphasizing the Word. We're more entertainment-driven. We're more uh, consumer-driven in the church, and that's why the churches are impotent. Mm. And it's not going to change unless we start individually saying, me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to teach our kids the Bible. We're going to teach our kids this is what it says, and we are going to be people of the Word, the text. Jesus lived out the text. He lived out what God said. He put God on display according to the Bible. Mm-hmm. So, all right, I know we got a question from Scott, I think. Yeah, Scott, how are you doing today? Scott, can good. You, good. Okay. Uh, you had a comment about Cain and Abel? Yeah. yeah go ahead. Where are you calling uh, from, Scott, real quick? Here in Jacksonville. Oh, okay. Cool. Well, good. Welcome to SWAT Radio. What's your question? Semperfy. Semperfy. <laughs> yeah, about Cain and Abel. Uh, you know, this this was before God had had uh, put down what was to be offered and what was not to be offered. Well, wait a minute now. Let's step back for a second. It's before he 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 codified it, but it we don't know. Obviously, they brought some kind of sacrifice. 
So there had been some instruction for them to give a sacrifice, right? Right. So I'm, I'm sure I'm sure that Adam passed that on. Yes. But, but the, the point I wanted to make, it wasn't what was offered; it was how it was offered. Abel brought the first fruits. Uh-huh. He brought the best. Yeah. Cain brought an offering that he got around to when he felt like. As much as he felt like. But what do you base that on, Scott? That, that was the difference. The word. Well, when when I read the word, if you if you if you read, it says, "Cain and Cain." Uh, I'm going to paraphrase it because I don't remember it. Exactly. Well, I'm reading it. I'll read it right now. I'm looking at it right now. Cain got around to bringing an offering. No, it, it says in verse. Abel brought the first fruit. It says in verse two. All right. It says or three. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock. Well, um, here's the thing. Abel brought first fruits. Cain brought an offering. According to Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11, it says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it for you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement by the life. So in other words, God ordained... Leviticus hadn't been written yet. Well, but no, but this was long before Leviticus. But what did God do after Adam and Eve sinned? He, he cursed the ground. No, no. What did he do? How did he cover their temporary covering? They had fig leaves. Oh, what did well, he replace he it with? Sacrificed an animal. He to, did to cover them with skin. He did. I understand that. All right, and but, so but if, he, if even in Leviticus they. What what were the offerings? Well, there, obviously there were there were uh, animal offerings, but he also had showbread. They also brought grain offerings, uh, but those grain offerings did not cover the sin. The grain offerings were an offering to God. It, he says, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. And if you if you look throughout the scriptures, what is the way that God always covered sin of man it was with the shedding yeah, of blood it was always covered by the blood yeah so there is no blood from any sacrifice taken from the ground uh, that's right so but as in, but but throughout the bible we see that grain was an offering that they made they they, they brought grain offerings when they had their harvest. They, they brought first offerings with the grain with the harvest. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, my, my point is, Cain, Cain, like a lot of Christians, brought to God what he felt like, when he felt like, the leftovers. I think that... Per se, mm-hmm. where, where Abel brought the first fruits, he brought the first, he brought the best. Yeah, I think that that has been... So he, he put God first with his first fruit offerings where where Cain just now well, you know I've got this grain left over and we'll, you know yeah you know it out there it's not explicitly stated in the text uh you know as far as one way or the other that has usually been what I've been taught and what I've been 
uh, what I've learned growing up through the church. Um, but we've got to be careful about saying, well, this is exactly why this or that happened because the text really is not uh, explicit. And there are some, you know, it, it could be a combination of both, really. Uh, we don't know that because we weren't there. Uh, so it is a, it is an interesting uh, observation, something that I had not thought about before, that when God first uh, provide, he, he, he gave the example of what a sacrifice was by um, killing an animal to cover Adam I, and Eve. Here's the thing. I agree with you that Cain devised his own way to worship. I will, I will agree with you in that, that he came the way he thought, and he did not come by faith. Because when you come in your own way, you're not coming by faith. The only thing that I would add to it, uh, Scott, is I really believe, based upon Leviticus 17, um, even though it was written after, that Cain's offering was bloodless. And it was, it, you know, and he, I think he was perverting what God prescribed, even though we don't have it written down. There's lots of things that aren't written down. You know, Enoch prophesied, but we don't know what he prophesied, but it says in Jude he did. And that rather than repent at God's rebuke, Cain got angry and he killed his brother. And the point is, faith separates the world from God's children. But hey, Scott, good to hear your voice. Thanks for calling in and thanks for listening to SWAT Radio. All right. You've been. Li- oh, sorry. Go ahead. See you, see you, Scott. You've been listening to SWAT Radio. If you missed any of this program or would like to listen to past programs, please visit www.swatradio.com. That's www.swatradio.com. Or you can listen to our podcast by searching SWAT Radio. You can also download our SWAT app in the App Store. Join us weekdays at 3 o'clock for more SWAT Radio. We will see you then. Thanks for tuning in. If you missed a SWAT radio broadcast this week and would like to hear any show in its entirety, then go to SWATradio.com. Click on Past Shows, where you can listen to the broadcast. Also, if you're looking for a band of brothers that gather around God's Word to be a part of, then go to SWATradio.com and email one of our hosts, and they can get you plugged in to one of the local SWAT Bible studies. Tune in next time to explore how SWAT radio is strengthening spirit.